This is Mark Shanowski. It's now time for your fifth quarter sports talk. It's Will's fifth quarter special. And here's your host, Will Farlow. Welcome into the 14th episode of a sports podcast that captures everything you want to know as the buzzer sounds at the end of any sports game. It's Will Farlow here with you this afternoon on July 8th, 2018, welcoming listeners to the 14th episode of Will's 5th Quarter Special. I'm here this afternoon with my guest co-host Brian Farlow, who has been on the show numerous times and wanted to come back, so welcome back. Thank you, Will. Glad to be here. We have an exciting show coming to you guys this afternoon featuring a special Illinois State Redbird offseason update as the men's basketball team adds a new assistant coach to Dan Miller's staff, and we are grateful to have a special one-on-one conversation I got to have with former NBA player and new Redbird men's basketball assistant coach Chris Duhon. The Illinois State baseball team featuring its talented core of young players is set to continue the journey with a new head coach at the helm as former Purdue pitching coach Steve Holm becomes the new Redbird baseball team head coach. We have another special guest joining episode 14 as ISU grad student and baseball SID Matt Gokin will be giving us insight on the new coaches, Owen Miller's departure leaving for the Padres, and more of what to expect for the future of ISU baseball. I will be giving a brief recap on the Chicago Bulls draft picks and more throughout their offseason. The Chicago White Sox dropped two games to the defending world champion Houston Astros and fell in Game 3 this afternoon, getting the sweep from Houston. How can the pitching mesh better with the offense for the White Sox as they head home for their final six-game homestand prior to the All-Star break? The Chicago Cubs on the other side of Chicago have seen answers with their set of recent player injuries that have impacted their play thus far, and emergence of Mike Montgomery in the rotation has helped, but how can they continue that success in hopes of staying in the playoff hunt moving forward? The Chicago Bears are getting set for their training camp in Bradley Bourbonnet in just a few weeks, and we will have your off-season update for the Bears as well. And the show will close with the original fun segment of Will's Sports Movie Mode. So we're going to start with Illinois State men's basketball here, Brian. The Illinois State men's basketball team is looking to bounce back this upcoming season as they fell in the MVC championship game this past winter to Loyola Chicago at the Scott Trade Center. The Redbirds are featuring a wave of new players coming to join Moeller's young Redbird squad, along with bringing a new assistant coach with both experience on the sidelines but also playing on the court. I had a chance to speak with the man who helped Duke to a national title as a player in 2001, spent nine combined years in the NBA with the Chicago Bulls, the Knicks, the Magic, and the Lakers, and helped Marshall University get to the NCAA tournament under Coach D'Antoni this past year. I had the chance to speak with New Illinois State men's basketball assistant coach Chris Duhon about his excitement for coming to ISU and bringing his experience to Muller's staff and helping the Redbirds this season and moving forward. Just first off, welcome to Will's Fifth Quarter Special. It's a podcast that I like to do. I'm a student still learning in the field of broadcast, and it's just a way to give back to average listeners. So welcome to the show. Thanks for wanting to be a part of this. Oh, thank you for having me. So just opening question, you know, you're coming from Marshall University, you know, assistant coach for D'Antoni, helping them to the tournament this past year, and the playing experience you have winning over at Duke and your time in the NBA. What are you looking forward to bringing to Dan Moore's staff as an assistant coach and working with this new group of players in normal? Um, you know, just, you know, my, you know, experience of, you know, being at, you know, you know, the highest level and, um, you know, just, you know, whatever the coaching staff needs, um, you know, obviously being a guard, you know, I'll, you know, have a lot of responsibilities with our guard play and 
um, making sure they understand how to play the game and how to 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 run a team. And um, you know that's kind of you know main things I'll try to bring in just the knowledge of the game and, and kind of what it takes uh, to to get the best out of your abilities each day. Yeah, and I, I know you mentioned guard there. I don't want to say it has a lot of new guards coming in, but also players like Elijah Clarence from Sweden and uh, Keyshawn Evans. How excited are you to work with some guards on this team like that? I'm uh, really excited. I mean, I've had the opportunity to work with all of them, uh, except Elijah. Obviously, he's a wing right now, but I've been able to communicate with him. So, um, we're really excited. We've been already able to get some work in. Um, you know, obviously, we're going to be gone a lot of July um, with the recruiting period. But, uh, you know, just getting to know them and uh, having the chance to work out with them a few times, I'm very excited to, to get started. <clears throat> And I know you talked about the, they quoted you on Go Redbirds a little bit there, so I'm just going to ask about that. You know, Dan Moeller's got a lot of good coaching experience as well. How do you feel like, what, what excited you when he came to you the opportunity of coming to Illinois State? What excited you most about working with a former player and coach like Dan Moeller? Well, like you said, I mean, his, his experience, um, uh, you know, obviously coaching at Vanderbilt for 12 years and, you know, you can already see the change in the program, you know, once he got the head coaching job here. And, you know, you know, it's, you know, even more special for a coach when it's his alma mater. So he obviously wants, uh, you know, us to be as, as good as possible. So, uh, just knowing those things and knowing how he conducts himself and, um, how he, he treats the players, uh, you know, it's a real exciting opportunity for me to be able to learn under him. Yeah, I think just from a personal standpoint on my end, when I heard you were coming to Illinois State, it seems like you're going to just add a good amount to that good culture. Because Illinois State sports, you see with the coaches, they bring in good culture, uh, good character individuals. And on my end, I think you're going to obviously bring that to the table on his staff. Yeah, and and that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, that's probably the best way to help the players as well and just, I, I know I know this personally working, you know, at, um, you know, being on campus and seeing sports at the collegiate level, but just to educate some of our listeners, could you kind of tell me what you, what an assistant coach does in your role? Uh, well, I mean, it was kind of whatever the head coach tells us to do. <laughs> but uh, for the most part is, uh, you know, recruiting, um, you know, Depending on the coach and staff, he usually gives uh, guys like certain groups. So I will have the guards, one coach will have the wings, one coach will have the bigs. Whenever we do kind of, uh, you know, individual workouts and things like that. And, uh, you know, other than that, just, you know, building a relationship with the kids and, uh, you know, to where it's just not a, you know, a coach and, and player thing to where we become a family. And, uh, you know, and also, um, you know, our job is to, to scout, you know, whoever we're playing, scout, make sure we have, uh, we're the best, well prepared and, um, for any, any team that we play, any competition that we may have, that we give our kids the opportunity to, a strong opportunity to succeed every time they're out on the court. Yeah. And you obviously, you know, when you're, you're just coming from Marshall University, just to ask a brief question about that, what was it like to, do something great with uh, under a coach like that and those players to get them to that level? Because I read a little bit, you guys 
you know, I had a winning season the year before that, a losing record the year before that, but getting to the tournament like this and beating actually a former ISU rival as well, a small world there uh, with Marshall last year. What was that experience like for you, and how do you feel that could help you coming into this program here at ISU? Well, it just shows the work that those kids put in. They put in a lot of work. We did it a lot of work, uh, you know, getting to that point. And obviously when starting a new program, um, you know, it takes a little bit, you know, for guys to adjust to your system and adjust to their style of play. Uh, but those kids did a great job of continuing to work, you know, whenever they had their downs, they fought through them, uh, got closer as a team and, uh, you know, all their hard work paid off. And, you know, I was very excited for them and, um, you know, very proud of them for them to achieve what they're, what they're able to do, are able to achieve. Yeah, that's definitely the most important thing. I mean, when players are doing what they love, doing it, as you mentioned, what you're hoping to bring even more to the tail for ISU, the family environment, that obviously is second nature to those players. You know, they're playing together for a whole year with the team, and it's like a nice culture-based environment. Yeah. So just one final question. I don't want to keep you too long, but obviously when somebody comes into a new uh, group or program in a new area, they have a lot of hopes and uh, goals for that. What are your main goals uh, in your new start with Illinois State and um, in the area? What are you most looking forward to about being here? Uh, I mean, just working with the guys. I mean, I've said I've had the opportunity to meet pretty much everybody and work with everybody and I see the potential that we have here, and then we have an opportunity to be really good. So uh, I'm just looking forward to throwing myself, you know, completely in here and uh, giving, giving this university a great opportunity of being successful and, and make the tournament and make some noise. Well, I think you guys are going to do just that. And, Coach Duhon, I, I want to thank you for taking the time to speak with me. Uh, as I mentioned, welcome to Illinois State University. We're glad to have you here. And, just best of luck in your first year under Coach Muller for this team, and thanks for taking time to speak with me as well and uh, to be part of this podcast. So thank you again, and uh, wishing you nothing but the best moving forward here. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Will. So that was a lot of great insight and analysis we just heard, Brian, from Coach Duvon, and he adds his experience as a player and assistant coach to Muller's staff. And I know we talked about it a little bit earlier last week before I did this interview you had some thoughts on how he could, what he could try and do with the Redbirds from what you saw this past year. So just give me your opening thoughts on the new hire and how he can help a Redbird team that's, you know, we mentioned looking to bounce back after losing Loyola in the championship this past year and the year prior to that, Wichita State. Well, there's a couple things Coach Duhan can add to the team. First of all, his NBA experience. He's experienced several different coaching styles. Um, and he's experienced uh, what, nine years of playing in the NBA. So he has that to draw from as far as looking at what the Redbirds have, how to coach uh, the players to an NBA style of play, uh, to be more professional, um, to basically as an assistant coach get close to the players, um, not necessarily become friends, but... Uh, understand their problems, help them out, help become more comfortable with the scheme that Coach Muller is trying to run, and then uh, hopefully translate into a team uh, that works together, uh, that understands their uh, goals or their um, assignments as they're on the court, 
and uh, hopefully will translate into uh, a team victory. And so hopefully uh, the addition of Coach Duhan will uh, will help that. Also uh, give Dan Muller uh, an opportunity to uh, basically work on the, the whole team and allow Coach Duhan to focus on just the aspects that Dan Muller wants him to work on. Yeah, and he actually talked about it in the interview we just shared with the listeners at home that I had with him. Very well-respected, very well-spoken young man he what Coach Duhon is. And something he was really excited about is working with these players. He's already connected to some of them now. Something we're going to touch on, just a closing question here with this ISU men's basketball update for the listeners here. They have a lot of new players coming in to the team. And, the, Brian, we know it's going to happen with, you know, freshmen coming after high school recruitment and all that but they have a lot of transfers you know we have still coming in we'll have Elijah Clarence coming into his sophomore year he's doing some play overseas actually back home in Sweden home for the summer he's keeping up on his game and some of the players just to mention it here to the listeners we have Zach guard Zach Copeland the junior from Oakland California coming over to Illinois State along with 6'2 guard Josh Jefferson 6'9 forward Ray Idowu from Melbourne, Florida, Keith Fisher III, a 6'8 forward, Matt Chastain getting his first year of action with the Redbirds after redshirting this past year, J.C. Hillsman, a senior from Champaign, transferring over to Illinois State, along with Diedrich Boyd, and an Illinois State team here, Brian, that I think is going to just continue to grow. I mean, we're just rattling off those names. There's a lot of new players, a new wave, and we saw growth from last year's team, but bringing in new players like that is always exciting. So how do you feel these players can improve the team moving forward based on any needs you saw that they had that hopefully are fulfilled at this point? Well, anytime you have add new players to a team, there's going to be a time of adjustment. Hopefully that can trans, uh, take place during the summer, but usually it's the first couple games um, of the season. Uh, so hopefully Coach Muller can incorporate their skills into whatever scheme he's going to run. And hopefully this year, uh, Coach Muller uh, is going to integrate a little bit more of a uh, basic uh, strategy where they pass the ball, they don't turn the ball over as much, um, they're running plays that will work against certain defenses, and then hopefully uh, uh, these players can shoot because they're missing uh, – uh, they missed a decent amount of shots in certain situations right. last year. Well, they, they missed uh, the play of certain players from the previous year where it was almost a guarantee three or um, it was a guarantee 20-foot jump shot uh, or a turnaround or a, a fast break you know, layup. Uh, they missed some basic uh, play from the previous year's uh, players, and that, that happens every year, but... Um, they need these other players, these transfers, to step up, and hopefully they have the skills to make the team better. Yeah, I know just seeing some of these players, you know, following Illinois State sports on the campus, of course, that's a given if you're any good sports fan and student there. Just seeing, hearing about these players this past spring that were coming, and, you know, something that was really interesting is talk about a player taking one for the team. Matt Hine is redshirting this season so that another player can come over to Illinois State and join this core of players. And Diedrich Boyd, he had about 18 points per game this past year for Western Kentucky in his first year there in the collegiate basketball atmosphere. And he's going to redshirt too. So they'll have him the following season. But 
I feel very comfortable having Adobu come in, and then they have Enjai. They have a not David Enjai, but another Enjai coming into the program, if I'm correct. Can't remember his first name off the top of my head at this point, but with Phil Fain in a senior year like that, and having these young players that could still play the forward position pretty well, like having that set up so he can mentor, they could play under Fain, learn some things or two. I think. This is going to be a team that a lot of fans are they're, now they're still watching for. It's Missouri Valley Conference. It's still pretty popular, one of the older uh, basketball conferences in collegiate basketball. So I think it's just going to keep growing. But seeing what Loyola did with Coach Moser, the way he had those players running things, I have to agree with you. Moser has a lot of things to work on. Coach Duan will hopefully help improve that progression even more this summer to start off next season. Now going into ISU baseball, the Illinois State baseball team improved their final season record this past year with an overall record of 22-30 and 30 on the year. Star shortstop Owen Miller got the call being picked by the San Diego Padres in round three of this year's MLB draft. Another curveball hit the Redbird team as former Purdue pitching coach Steve Holm became the new Redbird baseball team head coach, replacing Bo Durkak. I had a chance to speak with former WZND news and sports reporter and current ISU grad student in SID for Redbird Baseball, Matt Gokin, who gave his take on the new coach, Owen Miller's departure, and the future for the young Redbird Baseball team moving forward. Matt, welcome to the podcast. I've been trying to get you on for a while. Uh, you're a buddy of mine, so uh, welcome on, man. Hey, thank, thank you. I appreciate you having me. Okay, so with... The baseball team, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on right now. They finished, you know, with 16 and 40, the record in 2017. And last year, this past season, actually, they finished with 22 and 30, a more improved team we saw this past season. And they made a lot of changes. You know, they had, just to open it up here, what were your thoughts closing out this season as the, you know, your first year as the SID of the baseball team on the campus ISU? And just coming to the offseason, after that season closed, what was it like that first year with the team? Well, the first year with the team was a lot of fun. I mean, being around the Illinois State baseball players, some of the coaches, developing a lot of good relationships with other grad assistants and everything like that. It was a lot of fun. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't do as well in the NBC tournament as everyone had hoped or would have liked. But, I mean, that's baseball, a lot of good teams in the Missouri Valley Conference, but First year under the belt, it was a lot of fun. I mean, couldn't ask for a whole lot more from them. A lot of good players. Uh, got a lot of good people coming back as well. So hopefully uh, another good season for the Redbirds coming up. And you mentioned a lot of the players that you said were developing, players like Joe Isles, John Rays, who's, of course, one of the main hitters for Illinois State's offense at leadoff. And a question that a lot of fans and spectators had throughout the year that will probably continue throughout the offseason, I want to get your take on it. How did the pitching improve from last year to this year and possibly, hopefully, more in the offseason for next season? Well, yeah, pitching is one of the biggest things in college baseball. I mean, you hear a lot of coaches talking about that. But mm-hmm. for Illinois State, a lot of young guys this year, I mean, their first, uh, their first couple of guys out of the bullpen were all sophomores or juniors, not a whole lot of seniors on this year's team, but their three weekend starters all sophomore with Brady Brent and Matt Walker got some starts, Colton Johnson got some starts, so very young pitching staff for Illinois State, and 
like you said, they're just going to continue to grow. A lot of them doing very well this uh, this off season, playing a lot of summer baseball. So uh, hoping to get them back. And again, I think it's going to be uh, three juniors starting for Illinois State this year on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So we'll see what they can bring to the table. Obviously, uh, every year you hope that they can improve, and I think that's what they'll do. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. The pitching we saw the bullpen was probably the most interesting problem Illinois State had. The starters did a pretty good job staying consistent and getting through innings for the offense to come back out on the field and do what they need to do. And one of those offensive stars Illinois State had this past season, for the last few years, in fact, got drafted to the San Diego Padres in the third round. So Owen Miller not going to be with Illinois State anymore. So who fills that spot at shortstop, man? I know they have Isles, as I mentioned, at third. Derek Perot probably can maintain in second base. And, you know, whoever they have playing first, I know they split different time with players at first and catcher now with Braceway gone as well. Who do you see fitting into that shortstop role replacing Owen Miller? Well, I mean, to be honest with you, Will, I really don't know. That's a question uh that's going to be a, a huge question mark for the Illinois State uh, staff. But, you know, just with Owen, I mean, an unbelievable guy. I mean, he follows Paul DeYoung, you know, playing for the Cardinals now. I know uh, he's reha- uh, rehabbing right now in AAA. But, I mean, when you follow a guy like Paul DeYoung and then Owen Miller steps in and then he starts every single day when he goes on campus. I mean, freshman year to junior year, he started every year. He started every game this year for Illinois State. So, Big shoes to fill over at shortstop, but like you said, a lot of young guys on this team. Um, a couple players, not a whole lot of playing time, if any, at all this year. So, you know, as far as infield, I really don't know. Just because you didn't see anyone else at, you know, shortstop or you didn't see anyone else. Like John Rape, he was the other one that uh started every game this year for Illinois State. So, it's just right now a question mark to me. And the new, uh, the new Illinois State staff will have to get in there and see what they want to do, take a look at a couple of guys, and then, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe they have a really good third baseman coming in. They might move Joe over. They might move Derek over. It's, uh, it's just a waiting game. Right now, I'm not, I'm not sure, though. Yeah, it's a definitely an interesting question. You know, you're losing uh, – now, they've played different guys at catcher. Nick Zoris was a guy I thought did pretty well uh, splitting time with Colin Braithwell last year. So, I don't think they're too worried at catcher, from my view at this point, but – you mentioned the coaching change there. That was something some fans were hoping for. Bo Zerkak was pretty good head coach, but wasn't getting the production that probably Larry Lyons and Larry Deets were hoping for the team the last few years. And they bring in former pitching coach at Purdue University to lead the Redbirds. Larry Lyons hired Steve Holm as the new head coach. And we've seen he brought in two new assistants as well. So just first paint me the picture of what – working along the people over on campus, what was it like bringing in this new coach, and what have you, what are your first impressions then of what he can do for this Redbird team in the future as the new head coach? Well, first of all, the first time I met Steve, I mean, he was awesome. We talked a lot, got to know each other. So very, uh, very nice guy, very interesting guy. I mean, he talked uh, 1997. He was drafted by the Dodgers. I mean, he played two years at American River Junior College. He played shortstop at Oral Roberts. I mean, he caught in professional baseball, pitching coach at Purdue. So I think he's very well-rounded, Will. Coming in, uh, like I mentioned, you know, played shortstop in college, caught in the pros, pitching coach at Purdue, where uh, a kid from a local hometown that I'm from, uh, Ross Lerner, had a great year, great two years at Purdue. So uh, 
just really molded Purdue, got them back, played very well in the Big Ten this year. And so I'm just hoping he can come over here to Illinois State. Like I said, a lot of young players he's got a lot to work with. Um, so I think I think he'll be great for Illinois State. And it's just one of those things, uh, the Missouri Valley Conference, very tough. I mean, you have Dallas Baptist in there. You have Missouri State in there. Um, you know, with Illinois State's schedule as well, I mean, this year Washington was right right on the edge of going to the College World Series. Um, Tennessee Tech was right there as well. So, I mean, Illinois State, very tough schedule. They play in the Missouri Valley Conference. I mean, it's going to be tough, but I think Steve's uh, ready for the challenge, and we'll see what he can do. Yeah, I think just my first views of them bringing in Coach home to the Illinois State community, of course, welcoming him uh, on the show. We want to welcome him to Illinois State. I'm a big Redbird fan as a student there still, so a lot of uh, well, open welcome to him and his new staff, his family. Hopefully they get well settled at uh, the Illinois State area and getting started with the team. And something that I'm sure you're going to agree with here, he's going to probably help a great deal of those young pitchers that we've talked about. I know an interesting pitcher we saw, I saw in the bullpen calling a game this past spring over at U of I was uh, Connor Pepple is a really interesting man. He's got a lot of room to grow. You know, he's still a pretty young pitcher, and I have to admit, I think that he's going to really improve the pitching. The offense is obviously there and going to keep growing, but I see this team doing a lot more this year, probably into their first winning season this year under this new head coach. Yeah, I think that's the main concern right now for Illinois State is pitching, but, you know, like I said, with uh, with Ross Leonard, what Steve did with him at Purdue was just unbelievable. I mean, he had multiple innings without giving up a run, I mean, a couple All-Americans for the pitching staff over there at Purdue. So I'm I'm really looking forward to Steve taking over uh, as the head coach at Illinois State, start working with some of those pitchers. You know, like you said, the, the pitching coach over at Purdue has got a lot of uh, pitching background. So we'll see what he can do. But uh, like you will, I'm very interested to see what he can do. Yeah, and I like, this, I like seeing one of the assistants he added here, somebody work with at Purdue. It's always good when a new coach comes to a team, whether it be – you know, in the majors, whatever level of sports it is, he brings somebody he's familiar with because that really helps the staff. And that Wally Cranter, the former Purdue recruiting coordinator, which right out the gate you're hearing about how he's done stuff with the offense a little bit. And the recruiting's the big green flag, like good signing uh, by Coach Larry Lyons and Coach Holm because they're also bringing in Dane Fujinaki. So just give me a bit of – I have an idea what we can expect from these two new assistant coaches on Coach Holmes' new Redbird staff. Well, first off, Coach Holmes very excited to bring those two guys in. Like you said, Wally and Dane, uh, they're going to do well here at Illinois State. And like you said, Wally, first off, just uh, the former Purdue rec- uh, recruiting coordinator. I mean, that's big for you know someone coming from a Power Five school over to Illinois State, bringing in some of those recruits. So hopefully, Illinois State can grab a couple of those higher guys start getting it turned around with Steve and Dane, like you said, and hopefully start taking off. And then uh, Dane, you know, one of those guys, uh, you know, played some college baseball. I mean, played at Sacramento State, started coaching at Sacramento State. So very young guy. It looked like uh, he's going to come through the ranks. And he's moved up very fast already here at Illinois State. I mean, he's going to assist in recruiting as well. He's going to be the first base coach here at Illinois State. So looking, looking forward to the couple of assistants that Steve brought in and, He's talked very highly about both guys, so I'm ready to see what those three can do. 
Yeah, I think we're all excited to see what they can do with this new coaching staff, newer players coming in and current players returning, seeing what they're doing already on an independent baseball during the summertime. Matt Dokin, former WZND alum in the News and Sports Department, current grad student on the campus, and SID for baseball. So thank you for coming on this podcast. You're always welcome on this show, and just thank you for helping us with our Redbird Sports offseason update. No problem, Will. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Some great insight we just heard from the baseball SID, Matt Goak and Brian. And I actually, just to tell the listeners here, it's really exciting to match up good uh, appearances like this on the show that I've been able to put together for you guys. It helps with connections. I've been very lucky to meet great people, and Matt Goken specifically is one of those few people that – and I started in broadcast over at Z&D. He was a big help to me. My remember my first newscast shift, he helped me a lot and so forth. But it was an honor to interview him in his role now with the baseball team for this. So just your opening views of IC's new baseball coaching hire, Brian, and the positive impact he could bring to this young squad. Because I know, and just to mention here, you remember when we talked about Bo Durkak a bit this season, right? Mm-hmm. You were yes. at that game, again, that closed the home season against Valparaiso. the Valparaiso Crusaders. And, you know, Valpo was newer to the conference, so we didn't know what to expect from a lot of their athletic teams. Their baseball team could really hit the ball well. Pretty good pitching that matched up with a young Illinois State pitching staff, rotation and bullpen that's still developing at this point. But Bo Durkak just wasn't getting it done the way coach, you know, the other coaches would like. At Larry Lyons obviously wanted to change along with Larry Dietz, so they – Went with a guy that could help him win. You know, a guy that, in my opinion, you know, he's going to help the pitching and probably more. But I know you had a lot uh, to say about maybe Bo Durkak wasn't working out as well. So just based on those thoughts, what are your thoughts of this new hire? Like, what excites you about the positive impact he could bring to your alma mater's uh, baseball team moving forward? Well, um, hopefully Steve Holm can... uh... Uh, help out in one great area of need, and that was the bullpen. And some of the, uh, not only the game that, uh, well, uh, Walker, the, uh, the Matt, pit, Walker. Matt Walker, great starter. He uh, pitched a great game that day uh, at, at ISU. And so the bullpen really wasn't a big need, a necessity that day. Plus, they had a pretty big lead. I think it was 9 nothing. It was a very good start early on. You got the, love to see that at the end of the year. One of the first shutouts of the year. So, uh, but in previous games that I had listened to via the internet and some games you broadcast, it seemed like the bullpen was the uh, biggest need. And uh, hopefully, this new coach can help them out with that to help the pitchers, especially the relief pitchers, rely on their good pitches to throw strikes. Because if they walk players in late innings, that usually well, it, it tended to lead to runs for the other team, and that really hurt the Redbirds' chances. So uh, if he continues to work on the starting pitching and allow them to uh, blossom and uh, just throw strikes and allow their uh, team on the field to uh, you know get the outs for them, they don't have to strike everybody out, and then also uh, have a relief pitcher, a relief uh, pitching staff that can come in uh, when the time's desperate you know, close the inning, put out a fire, and then uh, hopefully preserve a victory if they're ahead. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned the bullpen there because just reading 
courtesy of Illinois State Athletics and Mike Williams. They, he wrote a very well-put-together article about our new head coach on the campus of ISU for baseball, Coach Steve Holm. He talks about a relief pitcher back in Purdue that Holm worked with this past year. He was having an interesting season. Ross Leonard, their relief pitcher over for the Boilermakers, was named to third-team All-American under Holmes' tutelage in 2018. And the Boilermakers had an overall record of 38-21 on the year, and they finished second in regular season conference standings. They also have had right-handed start Tanner Andrews, 10th round of the Marlins, a catcher go 10th round of the D-backs, and six Boilermakers earned all 10 big honors. So just what I heard from... SID Matt Gokin, some of the people on campus that I've talked to throughout the summer about this new coach. Uh, a friend of mine, also a fan of Purdue Sports, knew quite a great deal about this coach. And he's going to bring a really good personality. And I think I'm going to compare it to what we saw happen in New York with the Mets right now this past year. They brought in, now their pitching, you know, has been historically good. They had a rotation a few years ago that featured Steven Matz, Noah Syndergaard, Jacob DeGrom, and just consistent pitching, but they didn't find that last year with those guys, so they brought in a pitching coach to be their new manager, M Mickey Callaway, who worked with the pitchers over in Cleveland for the last few years, and now we know Cleveland has White Sox fans here, Ryan. They got really good pitching there, so that's kind of what I thought about and what came to mind when you think of a new coach like Steve Holm coming to Illinois State. Now, you might not know this, and it might be something interesting to share with the crowd listening to the show tonight. They had some very interesting assistant coaching hires as well. Wally Krantzer, who worked over at Purdue with Coach Steve Holm, is one of the big recruiters, in well-known recruiters as well, in collegiate baseball. And now we know their offense is good at Illinois State, but I think the hitting is going to get a lot more help because this guy worked a great deal with the hitting. And I'm just wondering, you know, what's going to happen moving forward. So we're going to wish the baseball team the best of luck on the campus of ISU. We here at Will's Fifth Quarter Special will keep you up to date on the offseason of the various sports programs on the campus of Illinois State. Now heading into professional sports action, the Chicago Bulls made their picks in the NBA draft June 21st, adding two players they hope can push their current rebuild in the right direction for the team's future. The Bulls selected at 7th overall the freshman center from Duke University, Wendell Carter Jr., and followed that with picking small forward Chandler Hutchinson from Boise State at 22nd overall. Reports also came out this past Friday evening that Bulls restricted free agent Zach Levine accepted a four-year $78 million offer sheet from the Sacramento Kings. Just a few hours after that on Friday night, reports were indicated the Bulls will match the offer sheet and bring Levine back to the Windy City. The Bulls won their opening game in the 2018 Summer League in Las Vegas last night against the Cleveland Cavaliers, where new Bulls center Wendell Carter Jr. finished with 16 points, 9 rebounds, and 5 blocks. The young center for the Chicago Bulls spoke with Chuck Swirsky in the postgame and spoke of continued excitement for just enjoying the love of the game and getting even better for his new team. The Bulls also made a three-team trade with the Orlando Magic and the Charlotte Hornets, sending center Bismack Biombo and two second-round picks to Charlotte, Orlando getting Bulls guard Jerry and Grant and Timofey Mozgov, and the Bulls getting Jolyn Stone, who they later mentioned will be Wade. We will continue to keep you posted on Will's fifth-quarter special on the NBA offseason 
throughout for the Chicago Bulls. The Chicago Bears are getting set for training camp under new head coach Matt Nagy as the team gets set to prepare for an upcoming season that can get the Bears back on track to being contenders. We will keep you posted here up to date on all offseason coverage, especially beginning with training camp in just a few weeks at Bradley Bourbon A. Brian, we're heading into your favorite part of the segment, the Chicago White Sox. They fell in a three-game sweep, though, to the defending world champion Houston Astros, losing the final game of the three-game series today at Minute Maid Park 2-1. The starter on the mound today for the Sox was Lucas Giolito. And the Southsiders head back to guaranteed right field Tuesday night to begin a six-game homestand to end the first half of the regular season prior to the All-Star break. They begin the homestand with a matchup Tuesday night against the St. Louis Cardinals, which is part of a two-game interleague play series. Wednesday, that will be Game 2. Following that, the rest of the weekend prior to the All-Star break next week, they'll be hosting the rival in the Central Division, the Kansas City Royals. So the Southsiders are struggling against the, struggled against the Astros, and you might not know this, Brian. It's something interesting I found out. Now, the pitching's done pretty well. Now, this is a rebuild team, so what you expect is players are going to struggle. You know, you're going to be playing the best you can to try and stay in games. You're not going to win them all the way the Sox are looking right now. Still not close to even 40 wins at this point in the year like other teams in Major League Baseball. And, you know, we're seeing a lot of struggles recently by Yo Moncada with the strike zone and Lucas Giolito, James Shields, the bullpen's doing okay. But there's signs that Rick Kahn was mentioning he's going to try and still steer the ship the way they're going, you know, being patient and just going with it. So how can the rebuilding Southsiders try and start off a home six-game homestand to end the first half on the right foot against St. Louis? Well, uh, it all starts with pitching. Um, they need some consistent pitching. Um, their young pitchers are going to have to uh, throw strikes. Rodon, Giolito, and uh, I forget... Uh, Dylan, what's his name? Dylan Covey, a very Covey. interesting name. I can tell um, you were just as shocked by how he's played this year too. Right. Very interesting. And then play. also you got the veteran James Shields. Uh, you can't you can't expect them to be Cy Youngs as long as they uh, keep the team in the game. Um, you know, quality start these days uh, seems like if you give up two runs and you pitch six innings, they consider that a quality start. Uh, but on the other end of the spectrum, the other team has to hit the ball um, and score runs. Uh, they can't just rely the home run, which it seems like all of Major League Baseball seems like they're relying on the home run. Aaron Judge, Mike Trout, G. on Carl Stanton names to mention on that area as well. Okay, but uh, so they, they need to concentrate more on the basics. You know, I, I don't know if anybody bunts anymore. Um, no, but bunting's I, interesting. But I, I think if uh, the head coach will teach them, uh, not really teach them, but coach them in a way where uh, they can manufacture runs. I know that sounds like uh, the old National League way, but uh, maybe baseball has gone away from it. But, you know, it's either hit or miss, no pun intended. But if you either hit a home run or you get shut out. So uh, um, they need to get on base and they need to have the big hitters like Abreu or even Garcia since he's hitting better. The, come to bat and drive him in. Um, steal the bases. Makai can take some walks every once in a while and steal a base and get on second and get in scoring position. You know, that might help him win against the Cardinals. The Cardinals have some good pitching. Um, and 
seems like the Cardinals just don't hit home runs. They go station to station, too. So you can't expect them to. Uh, they're still in the rebuild. They're probably going to lose 100 games this year. So uh, you can't expect them to win every game. As long as they stay in the game and show the effort, that's, that's all we're really looking for this year. Trust the rebuild and trust the prospects, as they say on NBC Sports Chicago. And I'm glad you mentioned Jose Bray because it was just released this afternoon, right before we started the show here. The Chicago White Sox have a rumored trade interest for their team leader and captain Jose Abreu from, as a matter of fact, the listeners might not remember this, back when the White Sox were trying to sign Jose Abreu to the Chicago White Sox a few years ago. There was one team that they were competing against. One of the final two teams that also wanted Abreu is now interested in trading for him, and they just got swept by this team the defending world champion Houston Astros. So a very interesting development as Rick Hahn and the Chicago White Sox are very adamant about trading a player in Jose Abreu who has, now I don't want to completely compare him to David Ross on the Cubs there, but that leadership type role. You know, what he's doing for these young players that are currently with the Major League Ball Club. Johan Moncada is a definite one to mention as well. Luis Robert and all those other players down the minors. They're looking to Look forward to play with this guy up in the majors. You know, he's becoming a main focal point to this team moving forward and obviously wants to stay the course. We've heard him say, I want to play the rest of my career in Chicago. I want to get this. I want to still be with this team when we get to that winning point that people say could be 2020 or 2019, possibly. But with that trade development, Rick Khan's also saying, you know, to reporters and the media, I want. We're being patient with our development. You know, our prospects are playing well, and you've seen that in the minors. They're even featuring it on national TV these days, those games, so fans could see those players are developing the way we're hoping. We hope that continues, but that's a lot of information with the development there, Brian. A lot of, you know, we're not too far from the trade deadline there in a few weeks, but just hearing some of that stuff Rick Hahn's mentioned and the reports about the trade, what are your thoughts on this? How do you feel this approach and maybe – the trade possibilities are helping year two of the rebuild. Well, a lot of those uh, stories sometimes are just put out there by the agents, um, kind of like the hot stove, you know, off-season sort of rumors. Um, when you have a team that's struggling like the White Sox and uh, even some of your writer friends just need something to write about, um, or when they ask Rick Hahn, they can't just keep asking him the same questions. Uh, so I think... I don't know if I'd put too much weight in the trade unless they come away and it's a, a, a big win-win where the White Sox come away with some big prospects, which uh, will help the team in the future. Uh, I don't see them trading a Abreu unless they get the best premium for them. Now, that could happen just before the trade deadline. Uh, which is usually when these big trades happen. Some of the best trades do happen right at the final minute, yes. So it may happen, but I don't see it happening right now. I think they're just putting Abreu out there just to see what they could get for him right now. Maybe stimulating some thought in the other teams that might be interested. But a lot of what happens when you have a player like Abreu uh, you have to look at the other team and what their needs are and what he would bring to the team. Um, are there teams in real, real need for a starting first baseman that could, you know, hit 25 home runs or uh, possibly just get on base uh, and help them win a World Series? Um, you know, I don't 
know if there's a real great need for a first baseman as far as some of these contenders. So we'll see. And I, I don't foresee a team, other teams that are rebuilding to try to trade for them. So you're going to have to look at the big teams, you know, the Houstons, the the Phillies possibly, Cardinals. I don't even know, maybe the Brewers. The Brewers know. are a very you interesting team at this point in the year, especially last year. And just following the White Sox here, just to close out this segment here, they will be, as we mentioned, game one of a two-game interleague series of a six-game homestand to close out the first half of the regular season against the 46 and 42 St. Louis Cardinals. Man, that NL Central is a very tight division, as you mentioned. The Brewers continuing to play well, as we saw last year. This year, along with the Chicago Cubs fighting the injuries and still staying in that hunt with the Cardinals, Mikolas, the 9-3 record starter, will be on the mound for St. Louis Tuesday night at Guaranteed Rate Field. The hosting Chicago White Sox will be putting Dylan Covey 3-4 and four on the year and a 5.54 ERA on the mound for that game. You can hear it at WGN 720 on the radio and TV at WGN. Now going into the Chicago Cubs, they have had some interesting things happening on the north side so far. They are currently in action against the Cincinnati Reds at Wrigley Field. As I mentioned, they are have the bases loaded. They are tied at 5 with Cincinnati. Hughes on the mound for Cincinnati, and Jason Hayward, who's one for three today, is in an interesting spot for the Cubs. And mentioning to the listeners some of the injuries that we've been hearing about in Chicago the last few weeks for the Cubs, Brian, they have faced some tough hits. They give you Darvish a five-year deal this past offseason, you know, with Arietta leaving over to go to the Philadelphia Phillies, and they didn't see this injury coming. It's like when... Just to compare it to the Bulls with Derrick Rose, you didn't see that coming when it happened multi- many years ago. But you got to roll with the punches, as you mentioned. And they're also rolling with injuries to their superstar, Chris Bryant, third baseman. And a closer they gave up quite a bit of money to for multiple years, like you, Darvish, Brandon Morrow, who is a very uh, well-respected veteran relief pitcher. But they head on the road after this home stand against the Cincinnati Reds. They will be facing a six-game West road trip starting tomorrow night against the San Francisco Giants for three games this week. And as we mentioned, they will be closing out, the teams are closing out the first half prior to the All-Star break. The Cubs will be doing that in four games against the San Diego Padres. So, Brian, the Cubs have faced some tough player injuries this season, but Mike Montgomery, who they got through a trade again. Uh, from the Seattle Mariners. They've had him in the bullpen, you know, on their trek to the World Series in 2016 and so forth, but he's a starting pitcher as well, and he's been starting for them so far, and a lot of analysts in Chicago have said he's been an answer, but a lot of people are wondering how can they find more answers with the way these injuries are, maybe have more players step up and try and hold the team together because they're in a playoff hunt like every other team is. With you know, with the Cubs at 50 wins and such, and they're trying to stay at the top of the division as the Brewers have been up either a game or two so far here and there. It's been neck and neck between those two. What are your thoughts about what they can try and hopefully get out of this win? Of course, they're still tied in Cincinnati, but heading into a six-game road trip, how can the injury-stuck Cubs try and improve? Well, you can't, uh, can't prevent injuries. They're going to happen during the year, and... Uh, as the general manager and the head coach have to prepare at the beginning of the year, they're not going to have all the players all year. So they need role players like uh, uh, Zobrist or uh, 
Baez to step up um, and also bring up some of the uh, uh, rookies from the minor league if they have to to fill holes. Um, that's just how it works. They need to uh, uh, battle through these games. Chris Bryant's been struggling anyways. You Darvish, uh, uh, they probably could have talked uh, further with the Dodgers just to see how, and the Rangers to see how uh, he doesn't last very long during the year. No, he doesn't. And he's he, had a lot of injuries in the past. And he's not a very reliable playoff pitcher, so you can't really rely on him. You've got to rely on your horses. It's a long, long season, and it's going to go down to the wire. It's going to probably be the last week uh, with the Brewers and the Cubs. Uh, worst case scenario, if the Brewers take the division, they can make uh, the Cubs can make the wild card. But um, they just have to battle through the injuries. The other players just have to step up. If you have, uh, uh, you know, the other players like uh, uh, their catcher. Um, Wilson Contreras is a Contreras. great hitter. Albert Almora, and Ian Happ can play infield too. You know, Rizzo's got to step up. I mean, if they're ahead by seven runs, it doesn't matter how your pitching's doing, as long as they help uh, keep the team under four or five runs and then just win the game. Um, and as far as the closer, they they need to find the right piece. Well, if Monroe's not there, then uh, C.J. Edwards is an interesting one. Right. Uh, you know, he's a kid who's shown promise. Struggle a little bit in the playoffs, and uh, you know, and they need to uh, you know concentrate on depending on certain pieces to help them win the games. And just something to close out the Cubs segment here, Brian. There's been a lot of pressure that fans are putting on Theo Epstein, who they've been riding so far. You know, he's transformed this team, the team's future. You know, got him a work to help to a World Series in 2016, like he did for Boston in 04. The trade deadline's coming up. Now, we mentioned it already with the White Sox. They might make some moves, the bullpen, whatever. We, we don't know what to expect. It's only still a few weeks away. But something you see at the trade deadline, the unexpected will happen from teams. And we've seen teams like where the Cubs are specifically, a thinned-out farm system, you know, trading for other top players they've had in the past few years, facing injuries and trying to trade for a player that's rental or multiple years on its contract to help, as you mentioned, step up and satisfy the Cubs' needs and what I believe will probably be between the Cubs and Brewers as well for not just that division but that playoff spot that might be left. We've heard names like Manny Machado and Zach Britton thrown out and connected with the Chicago Cubs. We've heard maybe an Addison Russell a month ago was mentioned to possibly be and maybe be in a trade for Machado to Baltimore. But it's going to be unexpected what we hear. Just – could you see the Cubs ponying up their thinned out, maybe some single-A players or maybe a major league player that would scare fans if they traded one of their major league stars to get a Manny Machado, to get a front-line starter like a Syndergaard or a DeGrom or a Zach Britton? What are your closing thoughts on that? I think uh, – I don't think they're going to try to get a hitter. I think they're going to try to get a pitcher. Um, you know – some of their starting pitching struggled a little bit, and uh, you know that that's hurt them. That's put them behind the eight ball, and then they've had to come from behind. I think the last couple of games they've had to come from behind. Um, so I, I think they need to look at another starting pitcher. Uh, you know, you can't rely on you, Darvish, um, and uh, I think Montgomery or or who's the other guy, uh, Chapman. 
Um, Rollins Chapman a few years ago, yeah. No, uh, the the other guy they have, I forget his name. Um, he just pitched the other day. Uh, that they, uh, Chatwood, I think his name. Tyler is. Chatwood, yeah, that's okay. the one. He's Sorry been struggling that. quite a bit. Um, Tyler Chatwood, yeah. yeah. They haven't been real reliable, so you, you kind of they're gonna have to find somebody, um, even a middle of the road type pitcher, just to give them innings, so they're not wearing out their bullpen. And I think that would be a key. Yeah, that's going to be really important for the Cubs. As we mentioned, they will be going on the West Coast and spending most of their time in California prior to the All-Star break and the end of the first half of the MLB regular season in 2018. Three games against the San Francisco Giants. That begins tomorrow night. And four more games to close out against uh, A.J. Preller, San Diego Padres. Now heading into the fabled Will's Sports Movie Moment segment, we all have our favorite moments, not just in the sports we watch, but in our own favorite sports movies. This segment gives myself, my guest co-host, at, and the listeners at home a chance to pick their favorite moment from their favorite sports movie and compare it to modern day sports. Listeners can hop onto the podcast social media pages and post their own moment favorite. I will pick mine, Brian, and then you will go as well, but now I'm having a change of heart. Why don't... You go first. I've started doing this on a show, and it's fit a lot better. Give us your uh, favorite sports movie. I know there's a few you've been talking to me about. You know, we always have those fun father-son chats about your favorite sports movies from the past. Name us one of those favorites for the segment this episode. Okay. Um, well, I didn't know I've talked about a couple of them in the past. The Natural um, and uh, Natural, uh, Major League. Um, I forget the other one. Uh, um, you didn't uh, talk about Field of Dreams yet, though. No, huh? no, Field Field of Dreams is good, but uh, that's been overplayed. Uh, Bull Durham was one of my favorites. Um, one of my favorite old time movies. Um, I remember when my father, uh, the second biggest White Sox fan I've ever met, next to you. Uh, uh, well, I can't remember the guy's first name, but um, he was a pitcher. Uh, who pitched for the White Sox, actually. Awesome. And Oh, uh, Monty uh, Stratton, I believe his name was. And uh, he was a really, really good pitcher. And uh, he had a good season. And um, he uh, went to his farm and was hunting and uh, was involved in a hunting accident, which uh, affected his knee. And he had to amputate part of his leg. And he tried to make a comeback. And uh, I remember, yeah, um, I remember my father mentioning to me that um, it was one of his favorite movies, uh, but it's kind of heartbreaking because uh, even though the other players respected him and, uh, you know, he could pitch really well, his uh, downfall was he had trouble getting off the mound. So a lot of the other teams just started bunting on him and he couldn't field the bunt. Uh, to, you know, to get off the mound quick enough to throw the player out. So eventually that was his downfall, and he eventually had to retire and quit baseball. But uh, I just remember, you know, it's a story about um, where the pitcher overcomes, uh, you know, probably with the greatest difficulty in his life, an obstacle in his life, and tries to make a comeback, and then uh, just wasn't good enough. So that, that's my uh, favorite uh, sports memory. Mine's going to be a sequel from The Sandlot. Now, I mentioned the first Sandlot movie on the past episode that featured guest co-host Alex Dolanar in the 
Bulls draft segment special. It's Sandlot 3. Coming Home was the title of the movie. It's about a kid named Tommy Santarelli. He's from that Sandlot area, and he they start out with him as a major league player for the Dodgers. He's very arrogant. He kind of is your typical idea of a egoed superstar baseball player that doesn't care about anything but himself, not a team player, and he's it's a fourth. They're getting ready for the Fourth of July, and he's you know joking with the pitcher, the pitcher, one of the newer pitchers. And he's getting ready to take some practice swings. Starts hitting some home runs. You know, they're setting up the fireworks in center field and everything like that. And he tells the pitcher, throw a strike. You know, he's joking with the pitcher because the pitcher's not doing too well. You know, his team wasn't doing too well because he wasn't being a team player. And the pitcher hits him, throws the ball to him, and he doesn't swing at it. He gets hit in the head. He gets distracted by the fireworks that suddenly go off in center field all of a sudden. And before you know it, he's... Flashed back to his Sandlot days with the, a Sandlot team that is facing the Sandlot being demolished. You know, there's a hotel mogul business guy that wants to build a hotel complex on the Sandlot. And, you know, Squints is back in this one. Benny the Jet from Sandlot 1 is who's the co- coach of the playing for the Dodgers in that flashback. But later in the future is a coach for the team back when Tommy was playing. And the story goes, they're playing this team. It's Needman was the guy, the coach's name for uh, the realty place. And he, they're playing his team. They make a deal. If you win, you get the land uh, that the Sandlot's on and build a hotel complex. If we win, you, we keep the Sandlot stays forever. So they made the deal. And Tommy's asked to play for this team. You know, Needman goes to him and says, hey, you know, I want you to play for me. You're a really good player. Why don't you come, you know, play on my team and I'll make sure you get to the majors. And he took that road that got him to being that ego player that we saw earlier in the movie. But he suddenly has a change of heart. His mom, who's close to dying of cancer, talks to him and says, follow your heart. Just do what you think's best. He goes and plays for that Sandlot team, and he gets the winning catch, and they win. You know, the story goes, and we talk about with the Sox, the Cubs, but more with uh, the ISU new baseball coach. I think this matches up. A new environment for somebody can change that team forever. And I think ISU's baseball team's on the right direction, but like what Tommy did, he he had his friends from that team come back and see him in the future, in the end of the movie, which we didn't see prior in the beginning of the movie. So that's my sports movie moment, just not letting the, you know, the money, the great numbers you're putting up, home runs, RBIs, impact your love of the game, just doing what you love to do. That's all the time we have in episode 14 of Will's 5th Quarter Special. Tune in next time as the next episode will be in late July featuring Cubs and White Sox talk prior and post to the MLB trade deadline on July 31st. Chicago Bears training camp talk from Bradley Bourbonnet and more. I want to thank Brian Farrell for returning to Guest Coast on another episode. And it was fun talking sports to you as it usually is, Dad. I love you very much. So thanks for coming back on. No problem. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And I love you also. A special thank you also goes out to Redbird men's basketball assistant coach Chris Duon for taking time on the show, along with thanks to their SID Bill Salyer for helping make this possible. Thank you to ISU baseball SID Matt Gokin, who is also a good friend of mine. Thank you, Matt, for taking time to join the show and give us insight on the future of Illinois State baseball. When the fourth quarter buzzer sounds, turn to your fifth quarter sports talk. 
That's us. I'm your host, Will Farrell, along with Chris Duhon, Matt Gokin, and Brian Farrell saying so long from Will's fifth quarter special. To continue to hear your fifth quarter sports talk, you can check out all of Will's fifth quarter specials. Go to WilliamDFarlow.com. To share your Will's sports movie moment like we do on the show, post it on the Facebook page or on our Twitter at WilliamDFarlow. The fifth quarter never stops here on Will's fifth quarter special.